This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI Audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you again for another week, along with my compadres. Uh, Sean Priest is in a shed in Manchester, England. Hello again. Oh, don't say again like you're sick of the, the sound of me. It's terrible, Stephen. Hello, it's very good to be here. I'm glad to be with you both. Yeah, and I'm really glad that your paranoia is coming down as well. That's, that's great news. Uh, Tim Schwartz is uh, in a house in Ohio, uh, somewhere in America, uh, and he's there with us now. Hello, Tim. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Sean. Yes, it's nice and comfortable here in the house, as opposed to the, I'm sure, the boiling heat in the uh, shed there in oh, Manchester. Oh, it's a hot shed. For Sean. Yep. Oh, terrible. Um, yes, I can really imagine. I dread to think what goes on in that shed from time to time, if I'm honest. It's just, oh. Dear. Nothing. Anyway, look. we got Unfortunately, lost... the things I know about, I didn't work. want to know. Yeah, exactly. It's a work shed. Carry on. Let's move on. Yeah. That's what you say. Right, so anyway, look, we've got lots to get through because uh, it was Apple's WWDC uh, event. Woohoo! Oh, come Keynote on, time. Come on, get excited about it. It was cool. I was excited. That was me excited. Was. Oh, was it? That was sorry. excited voice. Yeah, that's very good. This is as good as it gets for Stephen. Yeah. Look, I've, I've been on shows talking about this all week. This is me getting <laughs> to the final show. I get to talk about this. I've kind of talked myself out of WWDC, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, but look, you know, I'm here because I want to... Uh, focus on again this week and actually we've got more information as the week's gone on which is great uh, getting a chance to really kind of delve into in particular the accessibility features everybody's talking about all of the exciting stuff and i know people come here for the news and we'll of course keep you up to date on what's going on uh, in regards to the sort of bigger news headlines uh, out of all of this but the key thing to take away is there's no new hardware this time around nothing new at all to play with apart from a developer mac mini which no one's interested in apart from nerds and geeks <laughs> oh wow way to be inclusive there Stephen. but <laughs> it's a developer conference it's it's any hardware that's released isn't the major hardware anyway i wasn't expecting anything you're always so boring when it comes to this no, that's genre. because i understand what the title means worldwide developer conference it's software based bored sorry well i think developers were quite happy to have that uh you know, that machine to work off of, because it was a Mac Mini that last year, I believe, they rented them out for $1,000. This year, they rented it out for $500. Bargain. And if it's like last year, you can trade it in at the end for an actual you know, an actual Mac. So, you know, developers are happy about that. That was a powerful system. I wish I was a developer, because it's got the new A12Z processor, <gasps> 16 gigs of RAM, and a 512 gig static, you know, uh, SSD drive. So I'm like, that for $500, that's actually not Spoiler bad. Spoiler alert, are we jumping straight in with the big news? Well, I think we should, yeah. Because, I mean, look, we, let's start there because that, that was the biggest news. And we'll get into all the, the various uh, features of macOS and iOS and iPadOS and watchOS as well. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the accessibility features in those that we know about. But, uh, yeah, let's start off with the big news. And that is that uh, – and we kind of knew this was coming. We thought – I certainly thought that we would see some hardware to go with this, i.e. even just a, an idea of what this would look like in uh, the next iteration of MacBooks or Mac Pros. But what we're talking about here is the process or the brains of the operation – um, something that we three know nothing about here at uh, Double Tap Canada. You were going to go there. Uh, no brains here. Uh, but plenty of brawn, plenty of brawn. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, moving on. Swiftly. It's been a long uh, week. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
But what we're talking about here is the, the brains of the computer. And instead of running Intel processors, as they have been up until now, and will continue to actually until the end of this year, it seems, um, they've moved, Apple have moved away from that. And we know that this has been coming because Apple have been making their own processors for the iPhones and for the iPads. Um, that is now going to extend to Macs as well. And I, I must admit, when I first heard about this, my impression was it was going to be low-powered Macs, MacBooks in particular, almost to compete with Chromebooks. That was my kind of initial idea of this. That's what I read at the beginning. But then as we got closer and closer to WWDC and the keynote, it was becoming clearer that we were actually talking about powerful, very powerful actually, MacBooks. Uh, MacBook Pros, possibly a Mac Pro, iMac down the line with this kind of processor in it. And, you know, I'll leave it to Sean because he's an expert on processors, or at least he likes to think Thank he you. is. Um, to explain a bit about uh, what this means in terms of, because we're talking here, the size of the processor is much smaller. Uh, heat isn't much of a, an issue, uh, but you get great performance and you get great, for the laptops anyway, great battery life. Is that right? Well, you've just totally stole my thunder. Yes, that's exactly Sorry. the point. Well, look, uh, <laughs> Apple have had issues with Intel chips for a while now. They, they do draw a lot of power, which means they create a lot of heat and um, the latest MacBooks uh, MacBook Pros have had issues where the processors won't run at their full potential speed because they just get too hot so they need to throttle down. Thermal throttling has been an issue for Apple. Besides that they've had issues of just waiting for Intel to update their CPUs so you know people are waiting. Apple want to get on that 12 monthly update uh, cycle, you know, they want to push mm. hardware out there. But if they're waiting for the next new processor from Intel, there's nothing they can do. So moving over to their own uh, Apple Silicon, as they call it, makes total sense because um, the chips inside your tablet, inside your iPhone, we know they're very energy efficient. They don't create a lot of heat. They're tiny. So it makes perfect sense to go that way. The issue was how powerful are they really going to be? Yes, they're powerful inside your mobile device, but can they really stand up against a desktop or a laptop computer? And apparently, it looks like from their demos, they can, which is surprising. Well, that was a neat thing about the keynote was that they, they surprised us at the end by saying, oh, and by the way, this whole time, this whole two hours, we've been using a system with this chip to demonstrate everything we've done. And, and it was like, what? You have? And, and everything had been so seamless. Now, of course, everything was pre-recorded. And and so yeah. they could have taken two, three, four times to get it right. But but either way, though, it, it's still pretty impressive that they were able to run everything the way they did with the new chip and, and the new system, You know, at least in this dev Mac Mini that they were running. So yeah, I think this was inevitable. This makes sense for them to do this for all the reasons that you both said. And I think it's just another step towards them really trying to combine everything because as I'm sure we'll get into, you know, the iPad is becoming much more like the Mac, but at the same time, the Mac is becoming much, much more like iOS. Uh, they're <laughs> integrating so many different things. So it's, it's, you know, just going to be all one system, I think eventually. And, and this is a big step in getting the processing right. 
Yeah, I've been on a, a couple of different podcasts this week talking about this, and I've uh, coined this new word, which I think is important to know, and I'm going to say it everywhere I can. I think the word MacPad is the one that we should all look out for. That is going to be the name of the new uh, Mac and iPad combination. It's going to be called a MacPad. I've said it here first, and if it is called a MacPad, I want Tim Cook to deliver me one by hand. <laughs> Obviously, socially distanced, uh, clearly, but you good know, luck with even that, in the yeah. same room would be nice. Yeah, but, exactly. yeah, but you're right. I mean, but, but you're right. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're right no, because right. that's the thing. It's the unit. Well, I'm right as well because it's the unification. We're all right for once. Yeah, exactly for once. Um, wow. Yeah, the unification, everything's going to come together. Uh, and I think initially I just thought this was going to be the Mac and the iPad coming together as, as one. And that certainly is going to be a, a route that is all heading down. But then I think about iOS and I think about watchOS. And what's clear is that there are so many different platforms now, so many different operating systems that developers have to work on. Really, they just want to work on one. They just want to you know, create the Apple app that is on every device. And then that means, in theory, once we get to that stage, that we won't be talking about, you know, oh, well, where's WhatsApp on the Apple Watch? It's not as good as the experience you get on, you know, the iPhone. And why can't we get the WhatsApp experience on the desktop, you know? So once you get to a point where the single app is across all devices, it makes life a lot better. And then, of course, it will spell the end of what I think will be the MacBook Air and the kind of lower-end MacBooks. And actually what you'll find is the iPad an iPad Pro will take on that role, and MacBook Pro will be your Pro option there. And then eventually, maybe four or five years down the line, all that will start to merge as well. So, yeah. you know, it's clearly heading in that direction. Yeah, I think so. And, of course, you've got those tools that they've been... You can, It's funny, when you look back, you can see how long and how much planning they've done over this. You know, you've got the Catalyst program, which is used to... Uh, I mean, I hate to compare it to the Windows Universal apps, which are hated they're terrible when it comes to accessibility mm. at least and i don't think the mainstream like them particularly but i think apple have got it right so they've got compilers in place to convert you know intel based apps into the new arm processor uh, language so yeah i think apple have really they're really pushing to it now and we can see where this is heading but i think there's something really exciting happening here and i don't know if you both feel this as well but you know from a user perspective we're not going to know what is going on it's not going to be like dare I say Windows. I mean, I love Windows in a lot of ways, and I like it as, a, as an operating system. It's, it's a functional operating system, and if you use JAWS or Narrator, even, uh, you know, you, well, it's, 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 a, it's a functional operating system. It does the job. Oh. Um, <laughs> but compare it, yeah, but come on, compare it to the experience. I've used this analogy before, and God damn it, I'm going to use it again. Um, I often think, that uh, <laughs> bearing in mind I've never driven a car in my life, so this is maybe off the. Off oh, the this will be a good one. Okay. Go. So a, a PC is like a, a Monday morning driving to work in the pouring rain. Uh, the queues of traffic are horrendous. Uh, it takes ages to get a constant stops, constant roadworks rerouting you along the way. Finally, you get to your destination. You do get there, but you get there a bit frazzled, a bit annoyed, and soaking wet. Um, on a Mac, it's like a Sunday afternoon drive with the roof down, the roads are clear, it's a beautiful day, you get to your destination, you feel relaxed, job done. That's the difference for me between a Mac and a PC. And I think that's the one thing that I always think is brilliant about it. And that certainly is the case mm. with the iPad and the iOS editions as well. You know, it's a much easier system. In, it, you know, we always kind of joke around the, uh, you know, it just works. But it does. 
It as long as you've got eight fingers and voiceover doesn't say busy 20 times a day. Oh, it's yeah, absolutely Buy a decent beautiful. computer and you won't have that problem. Oh, I'll, tell you the yeah. big, I'll tell you the biggest news, Tim. This is the one that shocked me. So I bought the yes. iPad Pro 2020 a couple of well, well, months. Last month it probably was. And it's the, same, the, the very same processor that is inside that iPad is the one that's running this Mac Mini, the developer edition, which is which was running all the demonstrations. And that is what they're basing the new version of Mac OS 11, Big Sur, on. Um, that is incredible to me. It's not that it's coming. It's here. Yeah, I think that really speaks to the power of this processor. You know, in in each of us getting our iPhone SEs, you know, the 2020 edition, and then with the, you know, the iPad Pro, you know, and, and these new processors are so fast in an iOS kind of, you know, environment to put it in a Mac or in this case, this Mac mini for developers and seeing how fast it was. I I was very impressed. I I knew it was fast. I knew that this chip was very good. And obviously with that Mac mini, I mean, there's 16 gigs of Ram. So uh, of course it's, of course it's going to run really well, but, but at the same time, it, it is very impressive. And what I'm hoping is because I am a windows PC person however i do everything else on you know iphone or ipad outside of my pc and a lot of that is just because it's what i'm used to it's a little less expensive you know i've used windows forever and then when i hear people talk about voiceover on the mac versus an ipad or an iphone even you guys have said in the past well yeah voiceover is amazing on the ipad and the iphone but it's a little bit more clunky as, as sean was kind of alluding to there you know voiceover is a little trickier on on a mac with all of this combining of everything and ios apps now going to be on a mac and you know the all, all the different things that they're doing cross-platform with these uh you know, with each thing and then with the processing power i'm wondering and i'm hoping that that means that voiceover might be even better on a Mac then to be a much more uh, mm. similar experience to iPad and iPhone. I mean, I have to say, maybe it's because, maybe it's because, and I'm, t- I'm just putting this out there that, you know, when I dropped six and a half uh, thousand Canadian dollars <laughs> on a new Mac Pro, MacBook Pro, uh, that may have had an influence on my decision to continue to use it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I do have Windows on there as a VM and, you know, I use that occasionally. But, you know, when I jump over to Windows, I do like using Windows and I don't want to, this isn't about Windows versus Mac, but, you know, I just think it is, uh, you know, a lot of people do wonder about that. You know, I've had this conversation a lot, you know, do I spend the money buying a, a decent PC and getting a decent screen reader on there, either the free uh, NVDA option or narrator, or spending, splashing the cash on JAWS, or do I just go out and buy a Mac? And um, I, I, honestly, it, it's like you say, Tim, you know, it's what you're used to, it's what works for you. Um, I'm you know, in a very fortunate position because I've got a machine that can handle both, and that's great. And, and if you are in that position, then even better. That's one thing I do like about the Mac over the PC. I can do that. I can have both running equally as good um, well say goodbye to that with the new arm process well, that's the that's other, yeah be... exactly i was coming to that yeah because that's Sorry. the point so i mean really when we're moving towards this new arm processor this i mean boot camp looks like it's out the window um it's being booted uh and then you've oh, got well done thank you uh <laughs> i'm working on that all week um and then of course you've got you know the potential for virtualization which it looks a bit iffy at the moment although i imagine that is something that will come in time uh, but it might mean that i have to break up that relationship and have to have two machines which is pretty rubbish again um i think they'll sort all this out though I, th- I think in terms of speed that was my concern was around what it would be like i know that you've got issues around or concerns around emulation um for some of the apps yeah. but 
you know, they were showing apps on on stage, like for example, the I don't know the the Tomb Raider game from I yep. guess recently, and yep. it was running okay. I don't play games, I don't care. But you know, if you like Tomb Raider, <laughs> I know Lara Croft from the PlayStation One. That's all I know. Uh, never paid any yeah, attention. Leave that to the there. Other. We yeah, know that's just. Yeah, but, let's just leave that. Yeah, the, very nice. Running that sort of. I mean, that's a high end game. That's a triple A game, and running that What's in that emulation mean? mode. Triple A mean. It means it's absolutely amazing awesomeness. Okay. And because it's running in emulation, getting <laughs> the performance, <laughs> getting the performance that they got out of it is really impressive. Well, okay. So look, the arm thing is brilliant, and you know, I think we're all excited to see what that looks like. And in terms of when it will show up, we're likely to start seeing products by the end of the year. Interestingly, though, Tim Cook made the point that they would continue to not only support. Uh, Intel products. So my six and a half grand MacBook Pro that I'm kind of thinking, okay, uh, now what? Um, eBay. It's, yeah, exactly. And no one wants it, although pay a quid for it. Um, you know, it, it's actually fine because it will be supported for many years to come. So, you know, the life cycle of this, I would see being about five years. So, yeah, I'd imagine by that point, I'll want to upgrade this to something that's ARM processor. And that gives me enough time to see how it, it pans out. So if you've bought a new Mac or you just bought, say, a MacBook Air, uh, then you're fine. It's not going to be a problem. And, but more interestingly, they will continue to sell Intel Macs this year. And they announced that. At the yeah, uh, new event. models, yeah, I, new I models really coming. didn't understand that. That was strange, unless it's some sort of, I don't know, stock issue or a contract with Intel. I, I don't I know. I think it's both. I think it's they've got some stock to sell, especially with the pandemic going on. They probably weren't selling too many uh, or as many as they yeah. maybe expected these last few months. And yeah, it's probably a contract thing as well. I, I wonder if maybe the Intel contract runs out sometime near the end of this year or at the end of the year so yeah that that's probably what's behind that but he said going forward right into the end of this year and then uh fully over the next two years i think they're slowly rolling out all the new macs and imacs and everything with the new processor which is pretty quick okay so let's do a speed round then on some of the features in ios i want to get to the accessibility functions but let's just have a look at the headlines so widgets is going to become a thing on ios 14 meaning that on your home screen you'll have uh these little blocks uh, android like blocks with information in them uh so for example it might be the weather it could be your activity information could be pictures i guess or now playing all that kind of stuff could be right there on your home screen in amongst your apps uh, there's an app library as well, which will automatically organize your apps, and it will do it for you. Uh, and it will also put, for example, your most recent or most used apps at the top of those lists. I've got to be honest, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this one, because, you know, one thing about, you know, for us as blind people, we want things to be in the same place, or at least as close to the same place. I do. I find everything on my phone pretty much by muscle memory. Um, if that's constantly shifting around, that can't be great, but maybe there's a way to turn that off. I'm sure there probably will be. Probably. Um, messages is uh, getting better. Um, there's more access, easier access to uh, conversations and being able to at people. So if I was at Tim Schwartz, then you would get a message saying that you're part of a conversation uh, rather than this is a little bit WhatsApp like, a little bit Facebook like uh, in the way of, of, of communication. So, you know, for example, Tim, you would get a message when you're mentioned rather than having to run through a screed of nonsense. Um, that would be specific. Sent that's. Yeah, that's for group messages. So yeah. Yeah, obviously, if you're doing one-on-one -on -one messages, it shouldn't really be any different. But yeah, we've no. tried this amongst the three of us a while back. I know we, we did the uh, you know iMessage group, 
And it did get a bit clunky because if you're answering to someone that was two or three messages ago and you're replying to it, you're like, wait, what are they replying to? Or what, what is that? Oh, they're answering that from then. Or so you can do that inline reply very much like Facebook, like you said, and uh, reply directly to somebody. I think cleaning up group iMessages, I mean, that, that was much needed. I don't use it a lot. I mean, we moved away from it because it just, it was clunky and it, it didn't work. And well, at that time, somebody thought he was going to be an Android fan. Um, but, uh, so we, we had to find something else. <laughs> which to one? Use. Yeah. Which <laughs> one of us? Yeah. This is true. This is true. It was both offended. of you at different times. Yes. Know, um, so we've just kind of stuck with WhatsApp, but, but yeah, no, I, I like this for, for groups. I know a lot of people that use them for, for work or for family and, uh, you know, groups of friends. So I, I think that's good. And the widgets just quick on that. I agree with you. I don't know how much I'll use the, the, library function as far as the information that the widgets can provide i think i'll like that for certain things because i like the way it works as a complication of my apple watch so you put your finger on something or flick to it and it tells you what the weather is without opening the weather app or it can tell you the next thing coming up in your calendar without actually opening the calendar mm. and to have that information on the icon on your screen so you can just get it and move on and you don't have to necessarily open up a particular app I like that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, don't, I don't mind having that kind of feature and uh, the organization of it. We'll see. Cause I agree with you. I like the muscle memory. I've got so many folders that are very specific and they're organized in a very certain way. And I like knowing that I can just go to that folder and find what I want. So we'll, we'll see how this works out. Yeah. Leave it alone for blind people. Just leave it alone. We like to know where things are. Uh, App Clips is another one that's coming to iOS 14. At first, I was a bit bored out of my skull when I was listening to all this, Um, primarily because I thought, okay, it's just essentially a fancy QR code that will be used that will bring up an ability to install the app. And that's partly true. Um, You know, shops or uh, anywhere really um if you go to a museum and you want to know more information about something or you go to a coffee shop and you want to sign up to their points card system or whatever um then you can do all that you could just tap your phone on something i guess you'd have to know where it is first that's my thought um Ooh. yeah <laughs> but or you, i guess maybe you could scan your phone around or pick it up i don't know but basically it will bring up what i thought would be just an app card but actually it's a little clip it's a bit of the app um not entirely sure how that's going to work but I don't doubt the accessibility side of it for sure. Uh, I just don't know what I would, whether this is a good thing or not. I mean, it's just another thing, isn't it? It's just another gimmick to to get you to, down, to download and install apps, as they say, at the right time. There are lots of apps out there, and it's trying to identify the apps that are most relevant to you at that moment. And if it is maybe the Starbucks one or the Costa one or whatever it is, you want to be able to access that, then you know having it available to you as soon as you walk into a store immediately. Could be yeah, oh, yeah. I th- developers are going to love this because what this is mainly going to be used for is getting to people to sign up quickly to something, a service, or pay for something, a service, rather than having to go down, download the app, you know, register or whatever. You're going to get a, a pop-up virtually with a, a button to sign up or to pay, and that's it. Developers are going to love this feature. I'm not too sure how useful it's going to be for us, I'll be honest. Well, that's one of the things I really liked about it was that it uses Apple Pay and Apple Sign-In, so you don't have to necessarily give an email address to a third party or to this business or whoever you're you know, dealing with. You use Apple Pay to pay for it. Use Apple Sign-In. It's all secure and private, and you don't have to download the app. So say if you're on vacation and you go to a place, sometimes you download like the Travel Bureau 
app for that city or for that you know area that you're traveling to. In this case, you don't have to download a bunch of apps when you're traveling or going somewhere you know like that where they might have an app. You can just you know tap it or, or scan the car, scan the QR code, and and get that little snippet, get that clip, do what you need to do with it if it's getting information or paying for something. And you're done. You don't have to install an app. You don't have to worry about extra stuff on your phone. If you want to install the app, you can. So I think there is use for this, but it'll be interesting to see what developers do with it. That's the yeah. question. Are, are they going to actually use this and and implement this in ways that are useful? And that that's just still remains to be seen. Let's talk about some of the um, accessibility features coming in iOS 14. The one that I know you kind of picked up on right off the bat, Tim, was voiceover recognition. Yeah, this was very exciting. These are the things that were some of my favorite parts of WWDC that weren't on on the uh, keynote address, which, to be fair to them, they never usually do mention accessibility, or if they do, it's usually on a slide or or up on the screen, and and we don't know about it until afterward, and somebody says, hey, yeah, it was up there on the screen, didn't you know? Didn't you see it? Um, But (laughs) um, Oddly enough. Yes, but uh, in the very long list of things that they actually didn't have time to announce during the keynote, yeah, voiceover recognition is getting a lot better. So right now, there are things in uh, in the iOS system with voiceover that can detect, you know, maybe what a button is supposed to be. So if you're in an app and there's an unlabeled button, it may say possibly menu, possibly settings. This is going to be much more sure about itself, I guess, and and really give you that information. You also have uh, where it can automatically give you information about an image or a graphic, whether it's in an app or on the web. And there is even supposed to be a three-finger single tap on an image that's supposed to currently give you that graphic information, but it doesn't always really seem to work or no, work at yeah, all. Yeah. And they're they're saying now that yes, you're going to get descriptions, but more than just descriptions because like, you know, Facebook has built-in, you know, image descriptions sometimes where it'll just say tree with grass and person sunglasses and it's very vague but they do try to give you something apple is promising here that they'll give you full sentence descriptions of what an image is they'll actually extract text so memes that have text in them you'll be able to get the information about what that is and again that's not new uh going back to the facebook example facebook has implemented this for a while where a lot of memes not every meme but i'd say 80 probably 80, 85% of the memes that I see on Facebook, Facebook is translating a little bit of the image and reading the text of the meme to me. So it it is there, and Apple is now going to do that for you across the board. So any app, presumably, and online in your browser, uh, you should get that as well. So I'm really liking the fact that they're saying, you know what, we know that there are developers out there that unfortunately are still not labeling buttons and people that are not captioning graphics. And And it's unacceptable. So we're going to do our very best Hmm. to translate that information for you. Now, again, it's a we'll see how this works out through the beta and see how descriptive it is and how well it translates text. But if it works the way I I hope that it will or presume it will, this will be very helpful. Yeah, I I agree. And I think they were that worried. Sorry, Stephen, if they were that worried, then they would make it part of the app store um, validation that all elements would have to be properly labeled. Sorry. Well, but that I'm gets tricky bit, when I'm you sore get into, about that. But yeah. when you get into games and visual apps, that that th- there's only going to be so many buttons or things. Some some of those things are interactive. Some of them are embedded within the graphics of a game or something. So yeah. label it, them. There's no excuse. Just well, label here's them. here's the other side of that. But you know, does trickier. that does, does that then take away the responsibility of the website creator? 
to actually make sure that their website is accessible because if if you know we kind of cover it with this way um with you know apple being able to do that does that then create a problem uh, that you know therefore companies can just say well it's all right the phone will figure it out for you so we don't need to worry about accessibility don't need to worry about labeled buttons we shall wait and see stick mm. around we've got lots more to talk about we're going to talk about the ipad os we're going to talk about mac os as well the watch os has some updates as well we're going to talk about all of these updates coming in september time uh we're going to talk about all of that and more on the iphone on the way here on double tap canada and now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. Stephen Scott, Sean Priest, and Tim Schwartz here today, and we're having uh, a discussion about iOS 14 at the moment, uh, looking at the the wider implications of some of these uh, wonderful features that are coming out. Some might not be so wonderful. We'll find out in time, because at the moment, all of this is uh, what is being announced. We haven't had really had the chance to play with any of these features yet, because it's all in beta, so that means it won't really be out to us until September time. But, of course, there are public betas that start in July, so you could just Ooh. go ahead and try out if you want. I know we probably will. I've already got the developer edition of iOS 14. I've downloaded to my iPhone 11 Pro. I will tell you what I think um, as the next couple of days go and next week goes by. Next week I can. Are talk you more a developer now? Uh, I, I apparently am. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, I didn't know this. I look and, forward to your next app. Yeah, Steve. yeah, exactly. That's right. I'm developing <laughs> yes. apps as we speak. Um, now we were talking about voiceover recognition. That's a, an interesting feature, and you know that will help us identify unlabeled buttons, unlabeled images, um, you know, even text within images, memes, and all of that. It's not going to give us context though that's the one thing you know if you get a meme and it's a picture of a crying baby and it's you know some text over the top of it um it's it will give us the context i don't know will it give us enough information we don't know we're gonna have to wait and see what it what actually can give but i like the idea that you were saying tim uh, about having that kind of uh, sentence rather than just random words chunked at you know crying child upset upside down you know whatever it's like well what does all that mean what does any of that mean so yeah we shall see what comes out of it there are some other features um and one which um i don't know what i think about this one yet uh this is the uh, feature where you can single tap or double tap with one finger the back of your phone now and that is now a gesture for whatever purpose you choose it to be um it can be used not and it's not a voiceover thing it's not an accessibility thing it's for anybody although weirdly it is under accessibility in the settings yes. um but it is something under anybody touch can use accessibility and i, I yeah. believe it's a double trap or double trap double, trap. A, That's a whole double new thing. tap or a triple tap that's right yeah yeah Oh, sorry. Yes, it's no, not a single tap. No right. single tap. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, I'm always right. Well, on this occasion, on this one occasion, <laughs> we can say that's right. I You're... love this. I love Do this. You? Look, it, it gives us. Well, look, we moved on to the uh, what was it called? The commands in accessibility, mm. where we could customize the voiceover gestures, which is always good. I mean, oh, not yeah. a lot of people actually use it. I think, but it's great to have it, and I think this gives us a whole new option. You know, however we want to use it, it's. it's I hate to say it, but it is going down the Android route a little bit. It customizes it. It gives us that option. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, but I've got a case on my phone, so it probably won't work through the case. It does. And if I, and, and if I oh, it does. It does. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. But then my fear is, is that depending on how I'm holding my phone, I'm going to accidentally 
tap with a couple, you know, three fingers twice and yes. do things that I didn't mean to because I'm holding my phone just trying to use it and accidentally set this off. So we'll we'll, we'll see. But the interesting story that's come out already uh, from people testing this is it doesn't appear to be an option for the iPhone SE 2. So it's only <gasps> available for those users of iOS, uh, sorry, uh, iPhone 11 and 11 Pro and, and onwards, I guess. I don't know. I've got the it 10 is. up the, from what 10 I've been up, reading, right, the iPhone okay. 10 up. And I so, wonder if that's but, just so. a matter of time. I wonder if it's just for yes. whatever reason, it's just not there because it does have a glass back. The SE2 does. And there's no reason why it shouldn't have this. It's got the new processor in it. I, I don't see why it wouldn't eventually be included. Yeah, and, and bearing in mind, of course, it's only just launched this is as a beta, beta yeah. and everyone's jumping on it already. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, we haven't even really got the details. I think you're right. I think it will be there. It's just not there yet. Um, these updates will be coming thick and fast over the next few weeks, and it'll no doubt appear. Um, one other one I wanted to mention was an, a FaceTime feature that's uh, come out, uh, which I think is really interesting. This is for people who are profoundly deaf, who uh, communicate using sign language. And this is a fantastic feature. If you are using FaceTime, as many deaf people do, to communicate, uh, you'll be able to, as soon as the camera detects that you are signing, uh, it can detect that and it can actually put the image. You know, if, and I haven't really bothered with this too much, but obviously if you're having a conversation with someone or a group conversation with someone, um, I think all the images kind of zoom in and out depending on who's speaking. If the camera detects that you are using sign language, it puts your image first on the screen. So the person who you're talking to will be able to to see that and respond. Um, I mean, it's a really... I'm surprised that kind of thing wasn't brought up because that's a brilliant feature. And in some ways, it's quite a small feature, but in other ways, it's huge to someone who's deaf. You know what? It is a small feature, that the way they're packaging that, as in... It's just bringing that person up. But I looked into this and the vision framework that, uh, that is used to do this is actually really powerful because it can detect body poses. And also, this is the same thing that detects when your pupils are looking at the screen for face ID and things oh, like that. So it knows okay. when to lock. So it uses this vision framework. But also, it now has the uh, hand gesture recognition. And by the way they describe this um you know, I thought, well, it must be very basic, but it can recognize every finger on your hand and every joint. There's four joints on each finger and it can recognize and know where every one of those uh, is at any one time. So if you really dig into this, there is absolutely no reason why they couldn't do real time sign language translation because it's that accurate. I, I think this could be something to really watch. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if eventually, who knows how long, but eventually something like that could occur if they're able to really, you know, get that specific with the gestures and the movements and, and the bending of fingers and, you know, all that with the hands. Yeah, eventually, why not be able to detect sign language and actually translate it in real time? That that would be fantastic. But but yes, this feature alone, I think, is is really good. It, it's it's one of those buried accessibility things that you know they didn't bring up. And I always wonder, I know that accessibility features aren't something for the mainstream, but boy, these type of features, like we talked about with voiceover recognition and this, these are things that I'd be screaming to the you know mountaintops if I was Apple, like, hey, look what we can do. Because mm -hmm. I, I love this. I, I know some people that are deaf or even deaf blind. And yeah, to treat sign language no differently than if you were speaking and to give you the, you know, the forefront in a group uh, FaceTime mess or uh, FaceTime chat, 
it, it just makes sense. And, and I'm so glad that they've done things like this. So some other things, I mean, let, we could talk about iOS the whole show, but I think we, we need to look at some of the other um, oh, options yeah. out there. And just to kind of oh, run through. I, I just got to say, the, the, the okay. standout for the show, being able to caption Quick. your photos. Amazing. Everyone wanted that for years. Great. Thank if you. If you didn't do that and say that, I was going to bring that up too before we moved on. Because, yeah, right now with voiceover only, you could do a, what is it, a two-finger double tap and hold, and you can clunkily kind of label your photos it doesn't always stick it doesn't always like seem like it wants to work but yeah now you can actually and it's not even a voiceover thing it's just a thing where you can caption your photos for me and all blind people i think this is going to be an amazing way to just catalog your photos know what they are you know and and have them labeled and captioned so that you can better organize them so like I say, we could talk about iOS 14 all day, and we could, but let's move on. Uh, iPad OS, let's, let's talk about uh, some other uh, features. Now, th- this, these are all uh, what you might call the mainstream features, and I want to just give people a, a sense, if you've not been following it the way we have, uh, just to give you a sense of some of these functions. And bear in mind, a lot of people who listen to this show will be low vision as well, not all using voiceover. So there are some things, uh, especially around the iPad, that will be of interest. And I know uh, some visually impaired friends of mine who use the Apple Pencil, and love using it i don't get anything out of it but then i wouldn't i don't think any of us would either no nope. um but if you do then there are some nice little things i mean for example they've brought in a, a scribble feature where you can write in any text field using scribble so not no longer typing in but actually writing in. so if you were filling out a form online uh you could use, I guess, Zoom if you wanted to. Or you could just use the screen with, with larger text on it, uh, enabled with large dynamic uh, type. And you'd be able to write in those form fields with a pen. I mean, that that's pretty impressive when you think about it. Uh, it my writing is awful, so yes. it would be pointless <laughs> for me. Uh, but, I, but I like the idea of this. Uh, and then you can actually copy and paste your handwritten notes as text as well. So you can use that function. Um, so, you know, lots of interesting stuff with the pencil. Um, you can access more app functions in a single view, which I think is very good for voiceover users. It's, it's, again, part of that uniformity between what will be the Mac app and the iPad app being almost the same, being that Catalyst app. Uh, but certainly from a voiceover point of view, I think having less navigation is better. So, you know, the more we can have everything in a single list view, uh, although it's not a single list view, it would be probably two. I mean, they use the example of photos where you have the pictures on the right hand side and be taking up three quarters of the screen, the other quarter being the menu. But everything in that menu there, rather than having to dot all over the screen to find it. Again, good if you're a keyboard user, um, as I am with with iPad. Um, And... You know, you can get some great features there. Again, a lot of the features that we saw on iOS 14 are being expanded onto iPad. It's clear that they are, a lot of the functions are cosmetic. For example, uh, the way that Siri takes over the entire screen. I'm a little bit wary about that for some people with low vision because I noticed when I tried out iOS 14 just today on the iPhone, I couldn't tell anything about what was going on with Siri. One thing I could always tell was she was listening because the screen just disappeared. And I could sense, all oh, right, okay, she's listening now. I mean, obviously, sometimes we get the audible beep if you weren't on mute. But um, for me, it was, it was something quite good about that, whereas now I've got no idea if she's listening to me. Um, so, you know, good and bad. You know, for some people, I get it for visually, for, for people who can see, this is great. And it makes, I guess, a lot of sense. Yeah. But for those who have low vision and uh, for those of us who, who do rely on that kind of information on the screen, it, it's maybe not so good. But I think once people realized that, 
the Siri window or banner really more like it. You know, just the same as you get a notification banner at the top of your screen. My understanding is Siri is going to come up from the bottom of the screen. And so I think once people realize that's where, where it's coming in at, you'll be looking for it. If you have some vision or low vision, you'll be looking to the bottom of the screen to see that Siri bar. Uh, obviously people with voiceover, it will still you know speak what's in that banner or that box as it pops up. Uh, same thing with the, the phone, the way it works, it's no longer a full screen phone oh, anymore. When calls come in or you make a call, which yes, I I'm very excited about that. It drives me crazy. Though. Yeah. I, I can't stand having that full screen phone, uh, you know, all the time. So yeah, I'm happy that they've made these, banners uh i am interested like you said Stephen, to see how people with low vision detect them but like i said once you get the muscle memory of okay i know it's coming from the bottom i know mm. where to look for it maybe that won't be too big of a deal yeah i think you're probably right uh there wasn't a heck of a lot more to talk i mean there's tons of things obviously announced for the ipad but not around accessibility particularly um so i'm not going to spend much more time on the ipad i mean a lot of it was focused on pencil and drawing as it often is um which is what that device is is brilliant for um the one thing though i will pick up on because it's kind of tied to ios and ipad os and that is airpods uh, I've got to talk a little bit about these because um, I think oh, yeah. the, the improvements that they've made here are incredible. Now, these are this is the AirPods Pro I'm talking about. So if you've got a pair of the AirPods Pro, Sean, uh, Tim? No. I, I don't, oh, but on. this made it where I might actually buy a pair. <gasps> yes, good. It's about I, time. Uh, well, sensible. with Bose frames getting hacked, Oof. basically, and, and you know the AR being taken away, but then... Uh, you know, iPhone or the uh, AirPods Pro getting some of these new features. I, 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 I might buy into it. Well, this is interesting because I do like my AirPods Pro. I always have, and um, I think the sound is is brilliant off them. But also, I think that the noise cancellation is just second to none, or transparency mode, as they prefer to call it. Uh, I think is very, very good. But what they've done here is actually quite smart. They've developed the ability to, if you're watching a movie, for example, um, to enjoy that movie with surround sound. Now, I mean, surround sound is one thing. You know, you get the impression of a speaker at the back left, back right, front uh, left, front right, maybe a centre. This gives you the top down as well. So you really get an overall sound uh, of what is is coming at you from all over the, the, you know, from various places. So watching a movie, you're going to get that full experience. I guess 5D experience audibly. Well, yeah, they did say online 5.1, 7.1, and Dolby Atmos are all uh, going to be accepted here. Wow, I mean that's incredible. Through through two tiny little <laughs> earpods in your ear. Well, I've that's always said impressive. that 3D positional audio is incredibly important. So, yeah. yes, it's, yes. Uh, it's, it's not surprising for me. I don't know. We'll have to see. Can you really tell a difference when it comes to something like Atmos, where something's above you or below you? Yes. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe you can. But, yeah, <laughs> it's quite cool. Well, I had an experience with Bose in a, in a store. The guy sort of sat me down. He was obviously trying to sell me everything in the store. And um, he, sit, he sits me down in front of the TV. Clearly, he's bored. And uh, he shows me this amazing sound system, very expensive. And, you know, again, it was you – know, I, I always shout the same thing. Put on Jurassic Park because I love hearing the dinosaurs <laughs> tramp about. And um, I was, you know, kind of like stick that on and hear it roar and whatever else. So he puts on something kind of similar to that. And it, it was incredible. It was amazing. And you do get that experience as if it is, you know, the, the dinosaur is literally walking through your living room. Yes, it but that was Bose. Amazing. That was with 18 speakers around yeah, you. But they're saying you can do this. They're with, saying that. 
two yeah. years. I don't know. I mean, I, we'll have to hear it, right? It's called spatial sound. That's the feature. Uh, there are some other things here as well. And, and this kind of comes under accessibility, where you have the ability to customize more of the sound that you hear, for example, uh, make speech more clearer, uh, lower background noise, music, for example, uh, in movies. So you'll have a bit more control. And I think we're moving towards this. And this is an interesting area. We haven't really got into this too much. But this is an area where I'm, I'm hearing a lot about customizing audio to suit yourself, even even to the point of placement as well. You know, for example, wouldn't it be great if you could detach your audio describer and say, I only want you over my back, you know, I want you almost sitting to my right a little bit here. Over or my just shoulder. Behind me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Whisper that would be amazing. Me. That could be interesting. It would. Know? And that transparency thing is actually something really useful. It has been done before. And I think it was, says 2018, there was hearables or heroes. And that was their big selling point. You could almost EQ the transparency or the mm. pass through. And that would be good for me. In, in something like a restaurant where there's a lot of background chatter, I can barely hear anything if I'm talking to someone. So being able to tone that down a little bit would be great. I've had friends of mine who've said, you know, they've gone to restaurants, sighted friends who've said, you go to a restaurant and then you're sitting talking to them and they'll say, hang on a minute, I'm going to put my glasses on so I can hear you. And I guess you have to be sighted to know what that means. Yes. But I kind of get it. I think I understand it because I think when I was younger and my sight was a bit better, I certainly felt I was getting more of the conversation. Nowadays, I feel if I'm, in a, a t- if I'm at a table of more than six people, I- yeah. I'm lost. I just don't know what's going on. You tend to fade out from. a little bit, don't you? Tune yeah. out and fade away. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, that is interesting. I think AirPods Pro uh, is brilliant, and I'm really looking forward to trying out Switching. audio. Switching. The big problem that you had, where the uh, Apple yes. Watch wouldn't pick up the AirPods yeah. when you were using them on your iPhone. Well, now they're apparently going to sort that out, so they will... Don't believe sw- a word of it. I'm they sorry. will switch I, to whatever no. device you're using. That's going to be interesting to see how that works with voiceover. Fake but news. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> Fake news. I don't think uh, it's fake no. news. I think it's possible, as I've told both of you, the Sennheiser Bluetooth that I'm using now oh, yes, actually well, hold on, but it, selling. Hold on, but it does do this. But what I found is that as much as I wanted this technology, now it annoys me and I don't like it. Because anytime <laughs> okay. my anytime my watch wakes up or I bump it or you know if if the the top of the hour chime goes off or I get a notification on my watch of some kind that's separate from my phone. My, if I'm listening to something on my phone, if I'm watching YouTube or Netflix or, or whatever I'm doing, it'll switch to the watch sound automatically because it heard it do something or I might have uh, accidentally tapped uh, it or bumped yeah. it. And so all of a sudden the watch is awakened and Oof. I miss like 10 seconds worth of whatever I'm listening to on Awaken my phone. the watch. Stephen, it, it's a terrible idea. You so see? I, I wanted yeah. that so badly and now it's like, nope. That's annoying. I, I I don't like it anymore. Now, if I had it with my, my phone and, say, my PC, if I'm using it for Skype or my iPhone and my iPad, and I can switch between the two as necessary without having to repair uh, you know, the, the Bluetooth each time, well, that that's more functional. But what I thought I wanted in the watch, no, it's annoying. It's frustrating. I think it's Oof. fine if you are not using voiceover. I think that's the bottom line. I think voiceover Yes, if I wasn't using voiceover, here. it wouldn't be an issue. Because it, what, it's, what it's saying is if you pick up your iPad and you put on a movie or something, it will automatically switch to it. The problem is everything we pick up just starts talking. And, you know, you'll Correct. have your watch going and you'll have your phone going and your iPad going. How will they know where to go? This could actually be a problem if it's not done properly. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. So I, I hope, I hope we're not in that position. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Again, I've tried it. I've got it on my 
uh, iPhone 11 Pro. I'm probably going to update my uh, iPad OS as well. Tempted to put Mac OS on. Um, I don't know if I want to be that brave. Uh, no. But, you know, I've been, reading, I've been reading a few blind people have done it, and they're saying, you know, so far so good. That doesn't mean anything, though, because it could all go horribly wrong in a couple of days. Speaking of Mac OS, though, um, the, the whole Mac experience is, is basically being changed. It's being what they call elevated with a new design. Yeah, to um, the iPad experience. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and to be honest, it's all visual, I think, on the Mac side. I couldn't give two monkeys about how it looks. <laughs> it makes no odds to me. Um, but one I thing I wasn't interested two monkeys in, to give. Yeah, well, I, I might. How do you know I don't? That's my question. Um, Full of monkeys. If any animal rights people are listening, I don't. Just to be absolutely clear on that. I've got a dog. No monkeys um, were hurt in the production of this radio show. Again, some might argue. Uh, But anyway, moving on. Uh, (laughs) The uh, Safari app is being updated. Um, I think, although there's no clarification of this, but it it looks like it's probably going to be a Catalyst app, which is interesting. So will that impact on performance? Certainly, they say... Uh, overall, performance will be 50% faster than Chrome, which is interesting. We'll see how that works in real life. Uh, but that could be good. Uh, and better privacy on there as well, which, of course, we all like. Uh, messages is being updated as well. Um, means we can, well, we can send fireworks to each other now. That's hey! Instead of just through the post like you normally do to me. <laughs> <laughs> Shove them through my letterbox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unlit, obviously, for legal reasons. Oh, yes. And... Um, Maps gets an update with walking directions and created guides. I'm bored already. So, yeah, that's basically where we are with the Mac. Um, There are some nice features I'm sure going to come. Nothing has come out regarding accessibility as we go to air, but that will change, I'm sure. Um, But uh, the watch OS is interesting. Let's talk a little bit about that because we've not got much time left. So let's talk about watch. Um, You're getting custom watch faces. That's something which we've been kind of, well, we haven't been talking about, but a lot of people have been asking for. Sort of. Yeah, I'm custom. not sure about this one. Well, yeah, you can't necessarily no, customize it yourself. I mean, you can still do mm-hmm. a photo from your camera roll as you could before, but it, it seems like it's developers can make watch faces that you can download and use. And then if you have a particular watch face that you've customized with with a particular color and particular complications, and somebody's like, hey, I like how you've set that one up, you can share the one you've set up. So <sighs> it, it's still not customizing Boring. the layout and the look and the feel. It's what they allow you to do and then you can just share you know, what you've put together. And then, but like I said, the ones for developers could be interesting because I could very easily see Facebook or other, you know, companies making a Facebook watch face. A watch face store where you can just browse through, say, I really like that one, bang, buy it. Well, that's what they really should do. Yeah, Apple wants full control over this. I was actually kind of shocked that they allowed developers to create their own faces, you know, as part of this. But maybe that's where they're slowly going to go to is eventually have a store. But I don't know. They just they like control. But that said, this year's announcements are all about them releasing control with letting us, you know, edit the widgets like we talked about with iOS and the home screen. And heck, now you can even set defaults, uh, different defaults for your browser and your email apps. You don't have to use the stock apps Ooh, anymore. Steady. Well, the framework's in there for changing it. There's no actual option to do that yet. Well, yeah, not yet, but eventually it will. And I'm hoping it does because I, if it if it really is in there, I'm not using Safari and Mail ever again. Uh, but we'll. Ooh. 
probably talk Dude. about that another time, but wow, I, I have my replacements ready to go. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Apple finally is opening it up. Now, some of that's due to lawsuits, and they kind of had to uh, with the default uh, apps. But yeah, the, the watch face thing, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't do much for me. No, no, nor me. I mean, there's a new extra large face coming, uh, which... <laughs> Doesn't sound right when you say that, does it? Uh, but yeah, that's that's coming. Uh, also, I sorry, hang on. A second. I'm just uh, I'm just, just dancing here. I'm just dancing because I could tell. Yeah, yes. that was that was me dancing. That was, you yes. that was me dancing uh, because I'm I'm doing a new workout. Yeah, you can dance routine. Apparently, you can get in with the hop hip crowd, uh, and you can uh, get down with the blues. Uh, or whatever it is, uh, and you can dance. I don't think people dance to the blues. I'm just guessing that. Um, but yeah. you are so with it, Stephen Scott. Aren't I just? Yeah. The new right. workout <laughs> is dancing, so it can detect uh, upper body movement, lower body movement, steady. I so uh, look, I don't know. It's all cool, I suppose. It's all about the fitness on the Apple Watch, as we discussed before. Yeah, exactly. which is now going to be called Fitness on the Apple Watch. Actually, they're changing the name of it. Oh, I'm now, clever. I know that you're excited about sleeping. Tim, um, generally, but also uh, I'm always excited about getting to go to sleep yes. (laughs) Because the the watch can now track your sleep pattern Um, I guess, you know bearing in mind we've not got a lot of time left, but do tell me your, your brief thoughts on this yeah, this is something that we actually expected last year. It didn't come, and oh, yeah. they are finally going to do this where it will go into kind of a sleep mode, so the screen will turn off. Uh, I don't think even taps will, will affect it, I don't think. Um, but they, they will put it into a special sleep mode at night. It'll uh, use all the different uh, sensors of the watch to track your movement, to track your snoring and sound and ambient things going on around you. Ambiance, yes. And uh, we'll be able to give you <laughs> detailed information about your sleep patterns. Now, some people yawn at this, no pun intended, as you guys both do. <sighs> Terrible but, idea, no one cares. But as I've pointed Boring. out before, somebody like myself who has sleep apnea and uses a CPAP machine, tracking, feel bad. tracking my sleep... <laughs> is actually kind of important. And I like this because it'll put it into kind of a sleep, uh, a slowed down mode. So it'll alert you if you have less than a certain amount of percentage of battery. Uh, That's before. visual though, isn't it? That's not really going to benefit you. Well, if it alerts me to say, hey, by the way, you've set this up that you want to go to bed at this time. It's telling you to go to bed. You only Tim. have 20, 20% of, well, yeah, going to, Tim, you have to actually bedtime. Go to bed. Come on now. Um, but they'll say, hey, you know what? You only have so much battery, you should probably charge it. And I know that a lot of people have that concern. I never have that problem. By the time I go to bed, my watch still has 50, 60% battery, and I use it constantly all day. So. It's not an issue for me, but some people have that concern. So I like that they're they're putting it into a sleep mode and having the alerts and, and tracking it. It's it's long overdue. This is something that a lot of people have wanted for a long time. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously that's all great and there's some really good features that are coming in. Um, I think the one that, of course, stands out for all of us is the hand-washing feature. Uh, yes, you can of apparently now wash your hands uh, and your watch will keep up with you. Now, they didn't mention that you could, uh, you know, that the iPhone can now detect sign language, but they were prepared to spend 20 seconds showing us how to wash our hands and that the watch can bubble <laughs> along with you. Oh, exciting. Uh, so, yeah, apparently that was good news. Uh, but no, it is, I suppose, cynical, for kids cynical and man. people who care. Um, I just wash my hands. You know, there is a Siri shortcut that you can uh, launch uh, from the shortcuts app to, to, to remind Start you of off. the 20-second timer. I've not used Tim it. bedtime. It is Here's the shocker for the Apple Watch, and we're going to end on this. Here's the shocker for the Apple Watch. And that was uh, David Woodbridge, who I follow on Twitter. Uh, he is now using 
his Orbit Reader 20 at Braille Display with his watch on OS 7, on Watch OS 7. So he's able to use his Braille Display whilst he's using a watch. Was that not uh, possible before? No, no. Only available now as of this. Really? Um, which is absolutely really? incredible. So there you go. It shows how cool. um, it's, all, it's all getting there. Listen, we're out of time. Um, the kicking is out. I mean, whatever's next must be important, so we have to go. More uh, important so, than us. <laughs> so we are, uh, yeah, we're off. But listen, thank you again for uh, for listening in. Thank you for uh, being part of it. Uh, I haven't nominated anyone to be in charge of the phone number and email this week. Tim. Um, yeah, Tim, you're in charge of email this week. We're going to put Sean on the oh, spot no. in a second. Email? Oh, well, do I dare? No, I won't do it. Feedback at ami.ca. Sean or Tim at lifeafterblindness.com. What did I say? Oh, oh, boo. That's the joy of editing. Um, (laughs) I have no idea what you just said. Uh, Right, what's the phone number, Sean? The phone number is 1-866-509-4545. And do give us permission to use your audio on air. Catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.